Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 612, Lies That 7th Graders Tell. We've got jokes for your classroom. We're going to talk about those lies that 7th graders tell, as well as some other useful things for your classroom. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurk. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I am doing all right. I will accept it's that been, answer today. It's been an interesting week. So we'll talk yes, about that a little bit as well. Coming up here. Hey, did you hear about the man driving a train who got stuck, struck by lightning? Wow, that's a lot all at once. Uh-huh. And by the way, pro tip, don't eat a lot of taffy right before doing a podcast. But... Did you hear about the man driving a train who got struck by lightning? Why, why, no. No, I didn't. What happened? He was a good conductor. Aw. I knew a guy who collected candy canes. You did? Yeah, they were all in mint condition. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have also made a decision. I am selling my Hoover. You are? Yeah. Herbert? It's, it's just collecting dust. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many kids would know that a Hoover is a vacuum, though. It was the most... No. What, you know, what happened to Hoover? Because Hoover was like the quintessential vacuum. And I don't... I, I, I guess I could change this, too. I decided to sell my Roomba. <laughs> could, but, but there's a bunch of kids in Livonia would think you're talking about a middle school. Mm. That's true. Hey, I got a friend who just got fired from a florist. Fired from a florist? Yeah. Apparently, took too many leaves. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, he, he, that, that same friend also has a pet mouse, Elvis, who died last night. Yeah. Yeah. He was caught in a trap. It can't look. Okay. Okay. I yeah. shall not sing. Don't worry. All right. So. Uh, I was running around my bed the other evening. Okay. I was trying to catch up with my sleep. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. Oh, and finally, my boss told me to have a good day. Oh, yeah? So I went home. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, no, they're just suggestions. You know, I don't know if we should turn this over to Dave Bidlowski this early to save the show, or we should wait till <laughs> later. Because I have let's a try feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling the show may need saving later on as well. But let's let's just go with it. This is, um about science fairs and science fairs the series um ooh yeah and the highly competitive international science and engineering fair it's like everything for kids is highly competitive at this part at this point so um it's kind of interesting and 
It is definitely interesting when Dave Bitlowski shares that with us. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the December 11th, 2023 issue of Forbes magazine, and within that magazine was an article entitled, Bright Minds, Big Innovations, Exploring Science Fair, the series, written by Tony Bradley. And they wrote that Science Fair, the series, which is National Geographic's latest documentary series, is a deep dive into the world of young scientific minds, capturing their journey through the highly competitive International Science and Engineering Fair. This three-part series, which expands upon the award-winning documentary Science Fair, not only celebrates the innovative spirit of these students, but also delves into their personal and emotional journeys, shedding light on the broader impact of their work. At its core, the series is a celebration of young and genius minds from across the globe, each one striving to address some of the world's most pressing and complex issues through science. From tackling fast-progressing cancer cells to innovating in teen suicide prevention and sustainable electric car batteries, these students' projects are not just academically brilliant, but deeply personal. You will see individuals like Memory from Zimbabwe, who aims to convert marsh reeds into biofuel to address her country's fuel crisis, and Carlos from Colorado, whose work in botany aims to aid his family's farming business. They spoke with Christina Constantini and Darren Foster, directors of the series, to gain insight into the creation of this series. They highlighted the evolution from the initial documentary to the series format, which allowed for a richer exploration of both the students' scientific projects and their personal stories. The series format, according to Foster, enabled them to spend more time with each character and delve deeper into the science behind their projects. The journey from regional to international fairs lent itself naturally to a multi-episode narrative. Constantini, drawing on her experience as a former ISEF competitor, emphasized the strategic challenges of filming. They cast a wide net to capture various stories, knowing that not all would make it to the final rounds. This approach allowed them to portray the full spectrum of experiences in science fairs, including the stories of those who didn't advance, but whose journeys were equally compelling. The interview also touched on the broader impacts of science fairs. While some projects may not directly translate into commercial success, the skills and insights gained through these competitions are invaluable. Foster noted that many patents emerge from ISEF each year, demonstrating the advanced level of science conducted by these students. Constantini added that science fairs teach important life skills like resilience and perseverance, which are beneficial regardless of the student's future career paths. The directors shared their personal investment in the stories of these young scientists. They found themselves particularly drawn to the underdog stories, like those of students from Zimbabwe, where science fairs are a relatively new phenomenon. 
These stories, according to Foster, epitomize the spirit of the science fair, tackling local problems and achieving recognition on an international stage. Science Fair the Series is more than just a showcase of scientific talent. It's a heartwarming and inspiring journey through the ups and downs of young innovators. The series, which premiered on December 10th on National Geographic and is now available on Hulu and Disney+, Plus, is a testament to the potential of the next generation to tackle the world's challenges through science and innovation. This documentary series is a must-watch for anyone interested in the power of education, the resilience of youth, and the hopeful future shaped by bright young minds. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. By the way, we really appreciate Dave and all the great work that he does. It's, yes, we do. He's been with us for a long yeah. time. Well, you can say he's a series on the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's Dave. Dave is the <laughs> Dave is the serious series. There you go. <laughs> he is so serious. He is. He's you know he is very serious. He's got a sense of humor though too. I don't know. He does, and every week he's a serial serious series on our show. That's All right, right, take it next level. Take take the, do the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to quit very quickly devolve into airplane jokes, right? Surely. Yeah, yeah that's true. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll find a way somewhere in the show to work in Kellogg's and something, a serial reference. That's right. Um, but uh, we had, I had an interesting week uh, this week, at least one way. We frequently talk you about did. Moodle, right? Mm hmm and um, sometimes I update to a m more experimental version of Moodle than um, than maybe Sean does. <laughs> and part of that is because we don't have tons of kids using uh, using Moodle, so uh, it's mostly adults, and it gives uh, gives me a chance to kind of. Um, figure out where some of these advantages are and we're using it more for professional development so i can be a little more risky with it right right and um so one of the versions that i had updated to had a weird issue with the lesson module like oh okay so um so i updated to a really really um uh, to the latest stable version and it turns out there is an issue with plugins and if you didn't update or and or uninstall certain plugins it would crash everything it would not finish the update it wouldn't it would just say no i gotta do this so um it was like oh crud um because we do use this for our annual training and we have subs coming in on a regular basis and um, some new employees coming in. So it's like, I got it. So I, so I fixed it. Um, turns out going into the config file and uncommenting out a certain command, an auto update command, resolved the issue and away we could go. And so the site was running and it was all fine. So um, 
you know, of course I use this as a learning opportunity, um, installing and uninstalling things and figuring things out, uh, which is kind of fun and, you know, keeps you young when you're learning new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a specific tracker issue noted. There was lots of troubleshooting followed along with that. And I added my experience on there as well. It's like, okay, here's my experience. This is what I did, what I didn't do. Um, and they got to they got to fix out the next week. I, I am not saying that what I did was part of the fix because they had identified the, what was going on and how it was going on. There was four points in that. Uh, anyway, so I updated again yesterday. Yeah, everything is honky-dory. Um, I got plugins reinstalled and all of that. Um, but it is just a, a reminder that if you are a Moodle administrator, um, you know, there's a reason why you update in summer and then you kind of <laughs> lay low and just do the security updates. Um, but then the more adventurous of us <laughs> can take the part of being the guinea pigs and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and all that good stuff. So, mm-hmm. so uh, I shared that with with Sean and in the pre-show, and you've got you got some people that are using Moodle and using it regularly, which is pretty cool. And uh, so you you had shared that there was several teachers who were using Moodle and using it um, well, and were were enjoying the use of it there. So yeah, so the the other seventh grade social studies teacher, largely because I made all the stuff, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'll just do this, and which is perfectly fine. I I right. want him to use the stuff I make, and he's got um he's got the ELLs, and the stuff I've made is on a third grade level so it's actually more tuned for his kids if my kids weren't so far behind in reading then i should actually up the the reading level but um and he's using it and um it's going it's going very well over there um the we, we have one little plug-in issue i think uh, i not I, I, there's no way i can fix it at the moment um <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> there's a story saying, behind that. <laughs> yeah, they went crazy, and I'm like, I didn't expect you to do that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I might have some some uh, ability to uh, do some things here in the in the near future. Um, but the important thing is that uh, H5P has been a really good um, tool. Once you show kids, kids, huh? Once you show teachers what they can do with the kids in H5P. Mm-hmm. They're like, I want to do that. Where can I do that? And then you can say, well, um, doesn't cost anything. Just do it on Moodle. And now they're like, oh, yeah, you've talked about that before. But I, ignore, I you know, didn't listen. I ignored it. I didn't want another thing to do. But, yeah, I want to do this. So if if I can do this through that, let's do it. And I've taken and I found some things. And that's, the nice thing about H5P is that there are people out there that have made a bunch of H5P things that you can just go and have. They don't want right. anything for it. Just reuse it. And knowing where they are and, and pulling them together and putting them in collections for teachers and saying, here, look, you want some practice for your kids? Here's some H5P. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just, you know, they're already in the, just 
have them do it. Let's turn it on for them. And and that has been a big a big uh, convenient uh, seller for for people going over to Moodle. The uh, that and expediency, right? Because we have one teacher who found out that she was teaching uh, uh, English and social studies. And even then, with the English, she's got to do it on multiple different levels. So it's not really like she can take and replicate one English class for her other English class. So she's really got more like four preps than she does two. And uh, and even then, with social studies, it's more like she's got two preps there as well. So she's more like four. And putting things together and saying, I, I got this for you. Here, use it as you will, uh, has been a great seller for that. And then uh, I talked to the uh, ELL teacher. Uh, one of the English early comers uh, teachers who ironically uh, enough was trained by you at one point. Uh, and she says, I remember seeing it, but then I left the district and just didn't have access to more training and, and doing it. She goes, so I, I kind of just stopped. So I reintroduced her to it and she goes, I remember, I remember. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, I to put some things together for her and she's like, could we do, could, could you, could, could I have some more? Could we do some more? <laughs> yeah. We could do some more. Um, and then I have an aide who uh, saw what I was doing and wanted more. He's like, where do you learn this stuff? I said, well, you, you know, I'm going to put you in as a collaboration share. And um, you can, uh, I made a YouTube channel. Just go take a look at things. Or, you know, we can put you in the Moodle course and you could do it for PD. I'm not sure you get credit, but you could do it for PD. Mm-hmm. So he's been on his own without any promise of PD credit. has been doing it on his own. Now he's taking his sweet old time, which is what it's for. Because right. I did it all, you know, virtually. And um, uh, it's been an interesting conversation. He's giving me feedback on my on my uh, camera and video skills as I've been <laughs> showing my Camtasia skills. So I'm, I'm, I'm also learning from this as well. I appreciate mm-hmm. his feedback. Uh, but, but, but people are finding that um, once they're getting in and using it and, and, and discovering that need which we can talk a little bit later in the show too, that all of a sudden some of the obstacles fall out of the way because now they know what they want and where to go and, and how to get it. So H5P has been really good with that. H5P has got, oh, with game maps out this week, right? That's news. H5P news. Yeah. Game map is actually part of core now. So it's not an additional kind of thing. Yay. You don't have to separately right. install it. It is, um, it is, included so so i'm looking forward to playing with game map it, that means it should be out for lumi as well so while mm-hmm. troy's doing his part of the show i might update my lumi <laughs> <laughs> click click but i i told uh the administrators out at wayne risa i said i want please add game map to so game map you put up a map and then it's like you know the kids go from dot to dot to dot as they proceed through the map to get to the X at the end of the map, you know, to reach the treasure or or reward Mm -hmm. or whatever. They complete a series of tasks, readings, answering questions, H5P activities, that sort of thing. And I put in there, I said, I'd like this because I'd like to gamify my class. And, and, and just using that one key word got all kinds of people excited, you know, and yeah, we want you to gamify too, because gamify is what word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do that. And then they want to be able to go back and say, we helped somebody gamify their classroom. I, that's right. Totally for that. You know, it should. I, that's great. I just got to learn what the current buzzwords are now to make sure I, you know, help goose along what I would like to do. 
And so I'm looking forward to that. I don't have time right now to sit and play with the, the I played with it a little bit, the game map, but I'm going to start sitting down and making more. Um, I've been doing more with the summary tasks in H5P and I, there's a couple I did wrong. I got to go back and fix, but the kids have been very patient with me and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go through and do some more, but they're actually liking the summary tasks where they've, they finished the readings in H5P. And then at the end, I'll just put down a little summary activity and they go through and they pick the comments, which are, which are good summaries of what they have just read. And we're having some decent conversations based on that. And I'm kind of liking this, 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 this feature in H5P that I've not really played with before simply because I just have been busy building everything else. Right. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Oh, 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 I guess what else I did? I didn't tell you about this, but last weekend I got busy. I did. I got busy <laughs> and I did a thing, something I've been threatening to do for a long time, but I did. Okay. All right. I took a yeah. Raspberry Pi 5 and I jammed that into a case. And I put those, I took the screws to it and I screwed it in that case and I got that pink foamy stuff all over where we're supposed to go and finally did it. And I think the fan works pretty good because it doesn't go, you know, chucka, chucka, chucka. And, 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 and I took, I took an SD card and I slid it in the end and I finally created my Moodle box, which should be ready for my presentation in March. So I'm looking forward to it because for a while. Yeah, but I finally got the got all the pieces together to 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 put, fit it together, and I think it's ironic because the the Moodle box, the chip on the on a Raspberry Pi five, is actually faster than the chips that are in my kids' Chromebooks. Wow, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. So hopefully it'll be a little faster. I've done it with some other things, but. The Raspberry Pi is not. I've done it with a Pi four hundred, not the Moodle box, but some other things, yeah. and it's uh, just a just a little underpowered. It's like running an Apple two C, and then instead of running an Apple two GS, if you're going to get nostalgic with computers, there. So basically, what a Moodle box is is it gives you a Moodle instance, and since it's on uh, Raspberry Pi, it gives you a Moodle instance with its own built-in network. Correct. So you can uh, wireless network. So you can go to a conference and you can say connect to this instance and you can let them play around with Moodle. You can give them either student rights or um, you can give them you could give them teacher rights and have them let them create. You could do whatever you wanted to with that. Correct. Right. And the, the best part is that when you're doing presentations in at conferences and, and whatnot, that getting everybody to have access to the internet is usually the biggest challenge yeah. in doing a internet or a web-based uh, presentation with where kids, you know, kids, students, teachers have, uh, you know, need to try things out. And we spent a big part of the presentation last year at MAMSI just figuring out how to open things up so that uh, the teachers attending the presentation could go in and play. I was fine, but they were not. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hoping is that with this Raspberry Pi, because one of the things I can do with this, this Raspberry Pi Moodle box is that I can have it create its own local area network and they're accessing things right directly to that Raspberry Pi. Now, granted, it's a Raspberry Pi. It's not going to be fast, 
but I I control the horizontal, I control the vertical, right? And and hopefully I can give them a better experience and let them right. try and play with things. Whereas couldn't do that in the past. I also bought a little antenna, USB antenna that I'm gonna stick in the back and that's cool. Another thing that you another thing that you did with Moodle this week was you had the student mm-hmm. you talked about the students doing using student quiz. Yeah, student quiz activity is lovely. I love this student quiz activity feature in, in Moodle. It's not an H five P activity. It's it's part of uh, it's mm-hmm. a plugin for Moodle. Uh, and plug-in. I yep, an extra plugin. I I told my uh, my seventh graders that uh, they could create some questions based on the vocab. Now, very limited because it's so it's usually 10 words but i i throw in a one of uh susie dent's words i usually throw in for fun because makes the kids stop and go huh that's a word right and so we called them josiah's words last year because josiah just uh it was a game between he and i mm-hmm. so it's, it's they're still josiah's words um so they're starting to get this right. And they, they're writing questions. And I start out with true and false because it's stupid easy, right, to write a true and false question. And they think that, you know, they can just, you know, spam my uh, feed with uh, true and false questions to which I um, and then go through and filter out the, uh, the repeats because they think they can just do the same question a dozen times and they'll get points, right? I uh, filter this out and I shut it off within 12 hours and make them do true fault or uh, multiple choice or um, matching questions, which mm-hmm. require just a little more effort, not much, but it makes them stop and go, Oh, I can't just spam everything. Um, and then they get points. They get uh, three points for creating a question two for answering other people's questions and getting them right. Minus one point for answering other people's questions and getting them wrong mm-hmm. as well as their own questions. And then if I really like the question, really like the question, and I approve the question, they get five more points. Wow. Right? So uh, they took to it, and uh, they're asking me constantly, because I closed it uh, right before the quiz, right? So they can't go through and just find the answers by doing another quiz. Um. So I closed it and they all want to know what does the winner get? Well, Cadbury has some little chocolate bars and uh, I think the top four are going to get a chocolate bar. Um, yeah. And we'll see if that uh, chocolate motivation gets them to start uh, pushing out some more questions. Now I'd like to do it now that I did that just so the vocab is practice, but I'm going to do it when we talk about uh, uh, Greek and Roman gods and goddesses, because we're just about ready to wrap up Greece. And I want to kind of get them to understand that the Greeks and Romans shared deities. So we're going to create our own little database activity of Greek and Roman gods and goddesses, kind of like the Pokemon go catch them all type of thing. And then I'm going to open up a student quiz activity. I'm going to say, go write questions about these Greek and Roman gods and goddesses. And let's do a little competition on writing questions. And I want to open up uh, true and false, multiple choice matching but I also might do some of the fill in the blank and they get them to realize that spelling is important, <laughs> not only to get the answer right, but if you misspell it as the correct answer, you're going to, people are going to get mad because they spelled it right, but you couldn't spell when you made the, the question. So spelling details are important. 
and we'll, we'll do some things like that. Um, I might open some up, uh, some other question types too, because these guys have picked, this is the thing that gets me. I, I've had teachers, not recently, but I've had teachers tell me, oh, I don't want to create questions in Moodle because it's hard. And I show them these, <laughs> I show them these banks and banks of questions that kids have created. Then I tell them seventh and eighth graders are creating all these questions. Can't be hard because seventh graders are writing these questions. And then suddenly they stop and go, really? You Seventh graders did that? And it changes the paradigm, the, the way they see it a little differently. I get it. Everybody has, you know, time is valuable. Uh, but that's, yeah. so student quiz has been great. And the other thing I've also, I'm also going to do is, uh, and I didn't do it this week, but next week I'm going to take some of the really good questions from their student quiz. And I'm going to add in a little piece into the, um, the, the vocabulary quiz. And I'm going to have it pull from a bank of their own questions mm -hmm. and make that part of the quiz next week and start having them realize, you know, that they have a, a an invested piece into even the, the types of testing quizzes assessments that they're getting. So that's, that's where I'm going with that. So that's student quiz. Awesome. I think yeah. you like it too. I do. I, in, I always find it fascinating that I think I find it fascinating when kids are doing the work. And that's one of the things that I had to learn as a teacher. Uh, it's one of the things I quickly learned as a teacher that it's when the kids are doing the work, they're, they're learning. Um, and when they start teaching somebody else or they're writing the questions or they're doing that kind of work, that's when they're learning. Teachers, um, I, I worked really, really hard as a teacher and I learned a lot of stuff. And then I was like, okay, I learned a lot of stuff, but the kids were like, yeah, okay, I'm filling this in, but they're not deeply processing it. So that's why the reason I love student quizzes because now the students are, they're doing some of that work. They're doing that processing and they're doing the learning. So kids need to show how they learn stuff sometimes. And your kids did this with the Michigan History Day presentations. And uh, that seemed to go over really, really well. It did. I was a little worried about that. That's been my stressor for last week and this week. We also had uh, weather interruptions because this was supposed to happen two weeks ago. And then uh, we had ice and then we had power outages and we had rain and it got everything got pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. One of the things these kids have not had a lot of is talking in front of other people. Mm -hmm. So I did not want to like say, okay, so we had that ice day, but it's due today and you're going to do it anyway. I didn't want to do that. So I waited and waited and kept pushing it off until uh, the kids had a date. We took a day and went downstairs and we laid out the tables like they were going to be. And I had them stand at their tables and then I had them to present to each other to kind of get over that initial, because they don't practice. They tell you they do, but they don't, right? <laughs> lies, lies that seventh and eighth graders will tell you. And so I had them do it. And when they got done, the kids were like, yeah, yeah, that didn't go well. We're going to, we need to do something about that. And they had the conversations between themselves. I did not have to start that conversation. All I had to do was make them do the activity. And they started realizing, don't tell Mr. McGurr, but yeah, that went bad. We're going to, we're going to change that. I didn't say a word. I was pretending I didn't hear a thing. 
went mm-hmm. back upstairs and the next day came down and I put a little cheap dollar store tablecloth on each table, red, white, red, white, red, white, because we're the Cardinals. And um, they put up their presentation stuff. They made websites, they made exhibits, they did um, uh, dramatic presentations, they did um, documentaries. One girl even brought her own speaker and I had to say, you got to turn it down because the booths on the other side of you, they can't even hear what they're saying. She was like, that's what we want. I said, it's not a competition. (laughs) Not like that. Come on, Mr. McGregor. No, no, you got to. So we had, that was fun. Um, I had, couldn't laugh, but I was laughing on the inside. And then I had kids who thought that they were just going to blow it off. But when they had to stand up in front of their peers. Oh, mm-hmm. and I should also mention, I invited the sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade social studies classes for fifth hour to come down and see their work. And all of a sudden, they're mobbed with people who are reading their stuff and are asking them questions. And they were starting, the ones who did well were taking pride in their work. But the ones who were blowing it off realized they screwed up. And they started looking really silly in front of their peers and all their 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 machinations in their head about what the horrible things could go wrong didn't happen, but came back to haunt them. And then I had conversations with them later to say, now when we go downtown to the to the real thing down there, I didn't say real thing because this is real too. I said, what are you going to do different? Oh, man, this is not, we got work to do. Yeah, yeah. Should have started. Yeah, I know. Should have started weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, you should have. <laughs> Go fix that. So, but this is a chance for them to fix it. And and I, and it, it, the assistant principal came down and walked through each one of them and talked to each one of them. And they, they did their oral explanations like they're supposed to. And then had their basic, you know, the background information behind them. But they did their oral presentation part. And uh, things went really, really well. But having the assistant principal come down and having other teachers come down really added that piece that added value to their work because Mm -hmm. they're coming to see it, told them that what they were doing was valuable. It wasn't just an assignment. And that's what I wanted. And now when I say, okay, so it's not just our building that needs to see your work. You need to be seen by the entire county. We're going to go downtown and show you off to the county. What do we need to fix ahead of that time? Let's talk about editing. Let's talk about revision. And we're going to do that. And um, I got to get the permission slips ready. I just found out I got a bus. I got to get the permission slips ready. And it's a good thing it's in March because I forgot to send this to the board a month ago. And I thought it was going to be too late. But we're, we're paperwork's almost all filled out. Be ready to go. And we'll have a bus. And I'm going to ask the parents if they can take their kids down because I want to do that. And at the very end, I had two interesting reactions. One we talked about and one we didn't. One was I had kids saying, could our parents have come and seen us? And the answer was, yeah, they could have, but I think we're saving that for downtown. And they're like, that's when they found out downtown was actually really a thing that was going to happen. I talked about it, but nobody (laughs) believes the teacher when they say stuff. And then secondly, uh, one of the teachers that came, social studies teachers that came, I didn't want to overwhelm the kids with everybody. Cause it's right. just more, I don't want to, I don't want them to shut down and go never doing this again. Cause that's until they get more confidence. That's what they'll do. Right. And, um, one of the social studies teachers put out a, uh, school wide email talking about what a great job the kids did and what a good thing it was for her kids to see our kids work. Right. 
something to, to measure themselves against. And suddenly the entire building knew what I was doing because <laughs> I didn't say that to everybody. I just said it to, you know, the sixth grade solstice or the, uh, the building solstice teachers. And, um, and while we got positive comments on the reply, all I had a few messages come back saying individually, how come I wasn't invited? Uh, I'll do that next time. And I think that's, a, I, th I, I am hoping that, uh, when we do our next project, we'll invite more people or maybe different people. But by the same token, it, it would be cool if other people were doing the same thing because the look in their eyes when they realized the assistant principal found their work valuable was yeah. just immeasurable. There's nothing I can do in the classroom that gives it that type of value. And uh, somebody, because I'm just a teacher. I'm just me. I, they expect it. Uh, me to give them feedback, but to get it multiple times, multiple places was just a powerful thing that day. And I really appreciate all those adults who took their time to come and take a look at our kids' work. I, I really appreciate it on, on my kids' behalf. And it makes it, it can make a huge difference. Um, I know that we had a second grade teacher that ended up doing a, a um, an activity with the kids. They were, the second graders were studying motion and light and they ended up programming uh, Lego cars to go into and out of a cave that they also built with Legos. And then they invited the parents to come in. So they set them all up and the parents came in and that's just an mm. awesome, awesome uh, experience. It was great for the parents because they get to come in and see their, their kid learning and excited and doing stuff and they get to see other kids doing the same thing mm -hmm. and there's a lot of adults just wandering around it was pretty short i mean it doesn't have to be hours and hours but it was very powerful and just to see the see the pure joy on the kids face and the parents face was really <laughs> cool so um that is that is really awesome and the kids one of the things i loved about that is the the kids the kids quote, weren't learning programming, but they were learning programming. That wasn't the point right. was to learn them was for them to learn how to program anything. And programming yep. is logical thinking is really what they were. What they were doing is they were doing logical thinking, learning logical thinking. And um, listening to the kids explain that, you know, oh, you put this in this order and then it does this and then it does this it was like, bingo, that's what you want. So that does make a difference. And there was a lot of adults that beyond just the parents that were able to come over and see and, and um, uh, let the kids know that it was valuable as well. So, yeah. All right. Uh, another thing that can be valuable is the social web. Ooh, yeah. And especially Larry Ferlazzo. He's got an article about... Writing by hand may increase brain connectivity more than typing. Readings of students' brains suggest. And so um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that that includes like things like cursive because you know how much I like cursive. I do. Yes. I like cursive a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah. You do like cursive yeah. a lot. Yeah. I'm a, That's I'm nothing new, though. And if you follow Liz Cold's work, she's done quite a bit of – she's connected or correlated. No, she's – collected a lot of the 
research on um, digital versus physical, especially writing and typing. And it's really clear that um, there's a difference there. Cool. Well, Larry's got an article that we're going to have a link to in our show notes. So do click that and check out his his work Mm -hmm. there. And Larry is uh, prolific. So you'll find more than just that there. Yeah, uh, you'll find lots of good stuff over there. Susie Dent, a couple of words for you. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Word of the day is Quaker Roger. It's a 19th century word. It's a puppet individual whose strings of action are pulled entirely by somebody else. And so use that one because you're going to see that kid who's like, Doing the drama in the seventh and eighth grades, even the sixth grade, and just call them a quacker watcher and just watch their faces. Just have that moment for yourself. That's right. right. Don't be a quacker watcher. Yeah, or or you just, you know, you're being such a quacker watcher. That's yes. just, just throw it like that and walk away and just watch them go. Dah, dah, dah. But what? Yeah. And then when the, when the principal tries to pronounce it the next day, I mean, it's just going to happen <laughs> so much. Wonder why you're laughing. Right, say that again. All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, huli, a huli. For those asking, the huli in uh, blowing a huli may come from the Orkney Scots hulen, or which is a strong gale, or influenced by the Irish use of huli, which I like this one better. The Irish use of huli is a very noisy parley, a party. So I don't know if you've heard of a bally huli. That's like a really big noisy party. Yeah, the Irish and noisy party. That uh, I you have who go figure. It, it goes together. Yeah, yeah. or give them ballyhooly, which is you know, it's also could mean to beat them up, but don't don't give them that ballyhooly. I guess Rick Burton at Rick Burton. Imagine when you can generate three D mid journeys and explore them with the Apple Vision Pro. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. I'm going to try that. Now, you've been hanging out with Lori Emerson. What's going on there? I haven't been hanging out with Lori Emerson, but Lori Emerson had a post that I thought was very interesting. Now, we share pictures across the internet on a regular basis now, right? It's nothing for kids to share. Like, for you to share a picture with someone in China, which is literally halfway around the world. Yeah, I do that. Um, it takes seconds and is bing, boom, boom, done, right? You send it, they get it almost instantaneously. Yeah, well, pretty much. What happened before the internet and how did pictures get from one place to another? So here from 1926 is a graph, a photo, an infographic, if you will, of how photos are cabled across the Atlantic. And um, yeah, this is, (laughs) this is interesting. This is like, this is how it works. Here you go. And um, uh, there's a lot to follow here. There is quite a bit of work. So this would be something that um, you could share with your students and say, okay, can you explain this to me? Uh, Just have them go through and and figure out how everything works. Um, Pretty, it's just pretty cool. 
it is like, oh my God, that actually worked? <laughs> How did that actually work? And, um, um, you know, you've got just, uh, just a ton, a ton of work and the amount of, um, the amount of copying and putting things together is phenomenal in order for it to kind of end up in the newspaper in somebody's hand. So um, I thought that was fun. Hey, um, did you know there are eight new characteristics of middle school kids? Well, yes, that's a Jack Berkmeyer presentation that uh, he started developing at the AMLE presentation about two, three years ago. It's absolutely fascinating. Did you look at his uh, his webinar on that subject? I did not. Did you? Watch oh, you got to watch that webinar. Jack's always had the characteristics characteristics of an adolescent, but I know he's modified and changed some things based on what's happening recently. So tell us about that. This is interesting. Okay, so. Um, I found this fascinating because it is from Jack Berkmeyer and we know that he does some phenomenal work. I did not know about the webinar. I'll need to, yeah, need to look and see if I can find that. Um, but this, this was just a good reminder of middle school, middle school kids. So, uh, characteristic one struggle with basic school one-on-one expectations. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. And I've I've been in a lot of classes now where I'm like, oh, this does not work for me. <laughs> the, 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 the kids are struggling with basic 101 expectations. Um, my expectations, because my expectations may be different from some of the other expectations. So, um, and this is neat because... Uh, he kind of gives a little bit of background about it, and then he gives some responses to consider. Um, so you you can look through those. Uh, number two, uh, characteristic number two is apathy, disengagement, and disconnection. Um, and I think this is frequently expressed, for me, this is frequently expressed with um, frustration about technology. Um, because it seems like one of the ways that kids are expressing this is by uh, doing things on technology, whether it's social media or games or whatever. And that's what a lot of adults see. Um, characteristic three, increased absenteeism. Uh, and this is something that I've heard from teachers around the around the country that there is tons of absenteeism and there's been a lot of there's even been a lot of this in the news as well in general about schools reporting much higher absenteeism um, so it is important that kids are, are there characteristic four dehumanization of authority figures and disrespect for property Mm -hmm. um, and this has always been a problem um, with at least a segment of students in, in middle school. That's one of the things they're trying to figure out as they figure out what's an adult, who's an adult, where do I fit in this. Um, but uh, 
Jack is saying that there's also a trend of rising tempers, increased misbehavior, vandalism, violence, and general detachment from human connection. So um, take a look at that. Characteristic five, inclination and ability to debate bad behavior. I would never happen to you, would it, Sean? Never. I haven't been teaching seventh grade for that. I, I think that's a carryover <laughs> from pre-COVID. That's uh, yeah. I will say this though. I mean, so I've, I mean, what am I saying? I mean, for, um, I've, I've started to sit, look at the kids and, and, and when they start talking back and all, it got to the point where I just, I look at them, they realize what they've done. And this is, this is a unique group. And they're like, yeah, I just, I just figured out what I did. And then they go, and they yeah. then they do what you want them to do, but there is it's that it's you have to stop, and and once they think about it, like I said, it's this group. Not I've had a, last year's group. Oh my word! All they wanted to do was tell me how they were right, and I was eternally wrong. And I could have it was it was like Taming of the Shrew. I mean, I, I wish I could have shown that that play to my kids and said, "Do you see yourselves? Do you, do you know which character you are?" Right. Maybe that's what we do. And and he points out that um, kids are responding with reasoning as to why it is that they are doing their bad behavior and justification for why their right. behavior yep. is okay. Um, and right. apparently they're becoming even more clever and articulate. <laughs> so... That part's good, I guess. <laughs> Clever and articulate. Mm, faulty logic. <laughs> right. Uh, characteristic six, pack mentality, along with human threading. Um, and I, 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 this one starts with one that's going to hit to uh, a lot of people, I think. Have you ever asked a student to put a phone away or expressed a simple command or reminder only to have other students chime in with their two cents worth. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other student's input might be an argument in defense of the student's right to use their phone. Um, but, yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of, rem you know, modeling that. And, you know, kids are, again, they're figuring out who it is that they want to be. And that can come into play there. Characteristic seven, expanding voice and self-advocacy. So um, they are speaking up in self-protection or protection of the group. Um, they may not choose the politest terms, but uh, they are um, speaking up for themselves. Um, so, you know, be uh, aware of that. And finally, num characteristic eight, inability to handle mixed messages. Mm. Uh, yeah, and this is one that's always been big. And this is one right. like that kids have always struggled with. And like kids really, middle school kids really struggle with sarcasm as well. And mm. a lot of teachers don't understand that kids struggle with um, with sarcasm, with mis mixed messages. And this can happen frequently with parents because parents may say something and not realize 
And it may be worded in a way where the kids take it one way and the kids are like, mom said I didn't have to do it. <laughs> and it's like, and they're going to pick the one that they like best, right? Mm -hmm. From whatever yep. they think you said, they're going to pick the one that is to their advantage. Um, so being aware of this, this is, this, this is powerful. And I think it's uh, important that we recognize that, some the fundamentally middle school kids are middle school kids, but some of that expression can be a little different and in how it's expressed and how it feels uh, can be a little different. And this update, I think, is really powerful. So I would strongly encourage you to head over to amle.org. There's a link in the show notes over at middleschoolmatters.com which would get you to that um, article, but this is a good one. This is a biggie. So, um, was the webinar free, by the way? I am a member of AMLE, and I don't remember if I had to go behind the wall or not, but I okay. think it was. All right, I'm going to see if it, I can find and it's it. Jack, and if I so can, it's... we're going to pop a link in the on the show notes as well. Let's see if I can find and, that for you. But yeah, right. Jack is absolutely entertaining in everything he, he does. Good. And so even if you've heard the stuff before, play it mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. All right. The, uh, another thing I found this week was, uh, Kurt Vonnegut on the secret of happiness an homage to Joseph Heller's wisdom. And, uh, Joseph Heller wrote catch 22. Um, Good novel. Um, enjoyed it. Read it, read it a while ago, but um, still good. Uh, and Kurt Vonnegut is just, he has lots of great stuff uh, um, noticed. And I think there's lots of stuff from Kurt Vonnegut that you should share with kids because I think he has lots of great advice about growing up. And we've talked previously about a letter to school kids that he wrote. Anyway, um, this is a quote from Kurt Vonnegut, and this is true story, word of honor. Joseph Heller, an important and funny writer, now dead, and I were at a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island. I said, Joe, how does it make you feel to know that our host only yesterday may have made more money than your novel Catch-22 has earned in its entire history? Uh, and Joe said, I've got something he can never have. And I said, what on earth can that be, Joe? And Joe said, the knowledge that I've got enough. Not bad. Rest in peace. And I think that's an important message for our kids to understand as well. That, that uh, you know, the knowledge that you've got enough can be very powerful. So... All right, another, this is one that I found this week. And this is one that you might want to share with your kids or maybe not. I don't know, but you are pretty good into AI, pretty much down that road, correct? <laughs> I'm liking it, yes. I'm a lot it. more I need to learn, but yes. And um, when it comes to writing your own music, you are a really good social studies teacher. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is that fair to say? 
Okay, sure. Or do you do you write music? I've never heard. I've, I learned uh, something new about Sean on pre on pre on the pre show yeah. this week, and I'm like, Sean, you've been holding out for me for twenty some years now. Do you write music? <laughs> I don't write music. I like playing music and I like listening to music, but like writing it is just uh, requires more uh, time and effort than I. I also teach. Right. 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 Yeah. So I mean. Yeah. I, I like I said, I like right. playing it. I like listening to it. So this is the lead up for a site called Suno AI, which Ooh. will write music for you. It uh -huh. will create a song for you. Yeah. And then one of the neat things is, is you can put in your own lyrics mm -hmm. and then have it make a song for you. So if you, um, if you are giving your kids a variety of things to come up with, they could potentially use this to write their own lyrics and create a song to um, to share what they know. It's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So it's over at suno.ai. Um, if you want to create custom lyrics, it will do lyrics for you automatically as well. But, you know, I, that wasn't what I was interested in. I wanted to do custom lyrics. So you can click on the custom lyrics. You can type or paste in your lyrics. You pick the type of um, song that you want, and it creates it. It does it for free. You get so many for, you get an X number of free, but I think you can delete ones. And if you don't save all of them, then um, you can delete some and you can make other ones, I think. So it's just kind of neat. I thought it was fun. You could have, uh, you could even use it to create, like, I know that, like, the Capitals, there's a Capital song that the kids used to sing. I never learned the Capital song, but they knew the Capitals mm -hmm. because they knew the Capital song. It's like, oh. okay, you could make a song out of vocabulary, for example, and have the kids, you know, the kids could sing the vocabulary song or learn vocabulary. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of options there. So. Now, is this one of those AIs that's free or is there a paywall or is it yet by credits or? It's free. And then, um, like I said, it's free for so many things. And then after that, it's pay, but I don't for that stuff you get to use you can do the free thing making it an account right now i have there an idea go. there you go and by the way you can use a variety of uh platforms to make an account as well so all right uh, i'm going to link to this one just because i think this is a really neat site we have actually talked about this but we talked about it i think in 2018 which is now like many years ago six years ago um and that's enslaved.org they have a lot of resources um revolving evolving around revolving around slavery and the story of slavery i think there's a lot of really valuable um resources and stories there so <laughs> <laughs> sorry 
I made a song about Middle School Matters, the podcast. There you go. Yeah, it's going to be good. And it's it's easy to do, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I did. I went over to MacGPT. And I said, give me give me song lyrics for two guys who host a middle school show about middle school for middle school teachers and uh, do it in the style of was not was. And then I went over to. Uh, um, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was not was. Yeah, I think, you know, you, those people. I do. I'm impressed as anything. That <laughs> that's what you picked. I love was not oh. was. I'm, don't worry. I'm asking for a raise after the show. Oh, my, my. I shall triple your salary. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ran it in there, but it, 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 but it didn't exactly do what I wanted. Here's the disappointing part. So I've got two versions. I've got rocking in the classroom, pop style, and I've got school jam, upbeat pop. And I'm thinking school jam is probably one of the better of the two, but, okay. um, but I can remix this and. We'll see. Yeah, and they're they're not horrible. I mean, they're not like the greatest, but they're not bad. The, the ones that I have created, at least, were not bad. Well, and this one's probably going to appeal to my kids, which is not the audience we're looking for, but uh, because it has it like a K-poppy sound to it. So yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I, I I return you to your regularly scheduled programming. So would you say you went into Suno AI with guns blazing? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I uh, came out with a song in the, in, the, in the meantime. Access to Culture Translator is also talking about guns blazing because there's a new Xbox and PC game called Pal World. And this Damn. has been making around the social media as well. Have you played with Pal World? Do you have any pals? I didn't play with it, but I heard about it. Okay. Yeah, I've heard about it. I've not played with it either. Uh, but it's getting a huge following. And it peaked last week with two plus million players online at once. Uh, apparently, like when other games like this are doing their initial rollouts, this, this is not an, not an unusual number. So now they're under investigation by Nintendo's Pokemon company because apparently it's like Pokemon, just with guns. With guns. With guns, yeah. Uh, and apparently you can have your little Pokemon or minions or whatever, and uh, not only can you take them and carve them up for food, but you can also... Uh, Use their labor to your advantage, and you don't have to pay them. Brings up another moral quandary. I can see that that's going to be something that uh, may get talked about in uh, in a social studies classroom. Um, but anyways, that's something that uh, is really taking uh, kids in, it, uh, in the world by storm. Uh, it rips off a lot of other things, too. It's a, a mixture of Pokemon, uh, um Fortnite and a number of other games have their different little flavors in there that people have said, Oh, it's like this and this and that. So it's like a, it's an amalgamation of stuff. I don't, I don't think that Nintendo is the first lawsuit they're going to see mobbed up. Now this is not something that I would expect you or I to have been involved in Um, mobbed up. This is what it is. The latest trend to re uh, to resurrect on TikTok is a style that's being called mob wife. Uh, one TikTok went so far as to declare, clean girl is out, mob wife is in. And, and, and literally what they're talking about is makeup. And this is why, this is why I didn't expect uh, uh, us to really have a lot of... Uh, this makeup is apparently uh, coming back to the point of like... Um, 
thick. We used to joke and, and tease that we're calling it war paint, but this is this is this is this is uh, pretty stark stuff. Um, so uh, expect the kids now to start and parents starting to talk about having conversations about when their kid can wear makeup, but expect to see some some serious uh, early eighties um, pancake uh, showing up to class. Everything old is new again. That's right. That's right. Um, over the Los Angeles school district in California okay. is a large, large, large school district and yes. they teach music and somebody has to repair the, the instruments. Um, and Kotke has a, a highlight on the last repair shop which oh. is kind of interesting. They say it's a short documentary, but it's like just under 40 minutes, which is a little long for what I picture as a short documentary. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting. And it, so if you want to, you might want to take a look over at that as well. Uh, I also found a YouTube channel that I think kids might enjoy and you might enjoy. Um, it's How to Draw 3D Art. And these are like two to three minute little um things that kids can do to create 3d art it's really cool and you can replicate some of that and i think it would be fun to it would be fun to play with and if you have a kid who is interested in these kinds of things um, and is looking for things to do that might be something you can lean on so uh, and then finally, I'm just going to reference this one. We have the Big Ball Machine, which is the um, kind of the Rube Goldberg-ish um, oh. activity. Uh, and this is a, just kind of a neat little one. They show you how he makes it. He makes them, this uh, Jell Baker of the Netherlands, um, makes them for in-person events. And it just, you can watch the whole boppity, boppity, boppity. Um, and it's just something that's fun to see and do. And you can actually learn a lot about science doing these things. But this one is, this one I just put in there for, for fun. The other thing that's fun, of course, is to head over to middleschoolmatters.com. Check out all the show links or, and, and. And head over to the podcast catcher of your choice. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Uh, leave us a five-star um, rating, too. We would love that. Um, and reach out to us. Shoot us an email. Tell us something that you liked or something you would like to hear about, a question that you have, maybe a problem you would like us to chime in on. We'd love to hear from you. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer. <laughs>